history. For thousands of years, humans have been fucking things up. But now, two heroes of the modern age are here to fuck up history. It's Historama. Hey everybody, welcome back to uh, Historama, starring uh, Mason, Mother's Baugh, Height, and me, I'm Michael Goroff. Hello. You know, what I, I, think it's, I think it's really <laughs> sweet that you said my name before yours. Well, it always is. Is it? Yeah. I always try, like... I, when you I, say it, it, you always say your name first, so I just was trying to keep well, it... That's, uh, that's sweet. I appreciate it. I'm that. Michael Goroff. That's Mason. Yeah, yeah, I'm Mason. What's up, guys? Hey. Um, so... This is episode five of the saga of Benedict Arnold. Um, our favorite. I have to. Uh, <laughs> yeah, our I have to... favorite powdered wig wearing, ego driven, family name reinstating motherfucker. Yeah, yeah. This is a this is a wild episode. We're going to be talking about the Battle of Saratoga. This is basically Ben's uh, Sergeant Pepper's moment. Yeah. No further explanation needed. Sergeant Pepper moment. <laughs> I, thought, I saw you kind of trying to figure out what that meant. I mean, was was Sergeant yeah. Pepper's, like, was that the Beatles' crowning achievement? I feel like I almost every is. album was, like, their crowning achievement. No, well, Sergeant Pepper was above and beyond their, I feel like, the rest of their stuff. <laughs> well, I don't know. Yeah. I think that's, like, their biggest one. Well, I mean, I know it's that that's ridiculous to say, but it's like even Michael Jackson had Thriller. Like everybody, no matter who they are, has the biggest moment. And so this is Ben's Thriller, mm-hmm. and it's his uh, Sergeant Pepper's. I like Sergeant Pepper more because it came later. Thriller was like the one of his earlier ones for Michael Jackson. So, but this is like getting near the end. Well, right on. Let's well, let's get into it. All right, let's <laughs> <Anyway>. uh. <laughs> Let's, uh, sorry, we're like out of practice, and I was going to say this earlier, I have to give a special thanks to Mike. I We recorded like this episode four times. Yeah, it was really good. And we nailed it on the fourth time, <laughs> and I deleted his audio track the second we finished. Yeah, it was the best one we ever did, too. So Yeah, you guys are never going to hear that. The lost episode. If you donate it's just to all our, crap. If now. you donate to our non-existent Patreon, then you can get access to the one surviving sound file. Yeah. Mike, but, you can hear Mike in it. Just... Yeah, but I'm just, like, muffled in the background. <laughs> yep. I think he did that on purpose. Yeah, I'm yeah, I'm not right? going to let that happen. <laughs> yeah, he's in charge of his save button now. <laughs> um, Alright, so let's set, let's set the stage for uh, what's going on. Um, the Northern Armies are in retreat. The Northern uh, Continental Army. Yeah. They're in retreat. The British are spanking them out of Canada. After they they couldn't capture Quebec, that's got, how Americans got the name Red Cheeks because they're getting spanked so hard. <laughs> yep, us Red Cheeks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah. All right. Um. So yeah, Shiler. Uh, he was in control of or in command of the Northern Army, and you know he's uh, he's retreating. It's bad. It's not great, and yeah. they're falling back, falling back, falling back. And as if that wasn't enough, 
George Washington was also kind of getting spanked around with the main army. Yeah, so in New York. It's the just, New York area. We're getting it on both cheeks with this one. It hurts. Yeah. So there's kind of two big British armies that are moving in. One's moving down from Canada. And uh, that's led by Gentleman Johnny Burgoyne, who we'll get to later. And the other one's General Howe in New York. Sort of like the coastal uh, British army. And they're the ones that are just kicking Washington right in his nuts. They're just spanking him up and down Which all over. Which I heard Washington's nuts were wooden. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah, the little wooden nuts inside his women's underwear, right? <laughs> the slaves pull up for him every day. Oof. Every morning. Oh, man. All right, we'll, get, we'll move away from that. <laughs> this is a weird turn. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, um, yeah, there you got two British armies coming in on the American, like the main force of the Americans, and it's just threatening to pop them like one big old revolutionary pimple. Mm. Problem is, General Howe's kind of mucking around. Like, they're supposed to meet up, and that's not really happening. Yeah. Because General Howe's just sort of mucking around. He goes into winter quarters early. Well, you know, do we want to get into that, or do we want to save it for when we talk about uh, Burgoyne's march? Oh, well, let's get about, into it, because this, wanna... it's like, this shit's all happening, like, simultaneously. Yeah, so there's just, like, a ton of shit that's going wrong for the Americans right now. Um, and the one, one of the big things that we mentioned are both armies, both which, uh, Burgoyne's army and Howe's army, which are, like, both have 15,000 troops each at the start of this episode. Yeah, they're huge. It was just, they were gonna smash us with these ones. Um, and Burgoyne's sort of marching down. I mean, I feel like... You know, the thing with Burgoyne's march, though, is that he starts to, like, whittle away at his numbers, which is kind of why I want to save it. Like, I feel like we should yeah, cover let's, the... Yeah, let's get into it. Let's start talking about this shit. Let's start talking about Congress and what Ben's... Oh, kinda, yeah. Let's, let's kind of talk gross. about what's we gotta going on with the Americans we got to catch you up with Congress, first. too. Ugh. So, Ben, right now, Ben is sort of at his wit's end with Congress. Like, he just... He just uh, stalled the... Uh, the British army from taking Ticonderoga for a little bit, just to giving the Americans enough time to like really get out of Canada. Um, uh, at the Battle of Valcour Island, which we covered last episode, I think I remember. Yeah. Um, so he thought that that was going to be a big thing for him, but um, they promoted. So they did promote him after that to the rank that he finally wanted, which I think was like Major General or something like that. Yeah, and he got a lot of acclaim for that battle, too. That was like his first uh, big shining moment. Right. I mean, he's been gunning for that p promotion for a long time. The problem is that when he got the promotion, they didn't adjust his seniority. Because if you remember, I think it was like episode three that we talked about it, where he got passed over for like a bunch of promotions. Um, like... Because they, they divided them up by each, like, um, by each uh, colony. Yeah. Um, like, who they'd give a certain amount of promotions to. So, for Ben, it was, like, five other people from Connecticut um, got promoted over before he did. And he was really salty about that. So, when he got his promotion, they didn't adjust it so that his seniority was above those five people. And that really pissed him off. Because he felt like Congress should have righted their wrong as he saw it. Yeah, they... he should have been promoted with them, so yeah. they're not, like, in charge of him in any way. Right, so so he's pretty salty about that. On top of that, um, Congress was 
talking a lot to Horatio Gates, who was an American butthole, butthole slash general, um, because he was really gunning. So he was really gunning for the lead of the Northern Continental Army, which was being led by Philip Schuyler. So, so uh, uh, Gates was going in there and just talking a bunch of shit about Schuyler to the point where Congress was sort of like looking. They were already looking for a scapegoat as to like why things were going so badly. And Schuyler was like an easy target because of the whole sort of Canadian fiasco. And, um, and you know, he was leading that. So they were like, well, that's a good person to blame for all of our other failings. And and we should definitely mention that this is like one of those people that tries to build himself up by tearing other people down. You're talking about Gates. Yeah, yeah, yeah Horatio Gates. Yeah. Because he's bagging on Shiler, he's bagging on Washington. He's part of like some conspiracy to replace him, which that would be like a whole other episode. But uh, he's just he's really trying to like elevate himself to the top, and he's doing it in like the shittiest way. Yeah, I mean it's a good way to get a promotion, not a good way to make friends, unless all your friends are also power hungry egomaniacs. Yeah, like, just total like you. dickholes. Yeah. Which is like, you know, those are the kind of friends you want, right? Ugh. Right? Yeah, nobody um, wants those friends. Don't be that person. So that was kind of p- pissing Ben off because they were like looking to replace Shiler. Um, and they were kind of going through that process. And then the third thing that was really pissing Ben off was that they were, uh, Congress was inviting in a lot of foreign dignitaries um, to have positions of power within the military because they were like really trying to court foreign powers to come in and uh, save their asses, basically, and help them fight their fight for them. Yeah, they uh, wanted the French jumping in, they wanted the Spanish, the Prussians, Prussians anyone the they Polish. could get to kind of join that dogpile on England. Yeah. That just, that's all great for them. Yeah, so you got all these guys that are just showing up in fancy European tights and uh, with their uncircumcised penises... <laughs> And they're all getting, (laughs) they're all getting American army commissions after Ben like worked his ass off and got shot in the leg like twice. Oh man. Just to get a fucking promotion that he'd been gunning for for years. So Ben's pissed. Yeah, he's pissed about a lot of stuff. And so he, um, on July 11th, he hands in a letter of resignation, um, from the army. Well, you know, also, they that, that was right around when they'd finished tabulating his expenses on the Canadian campaign. Oh, right. And not yeah. only were they like, wow, you spent a lot more money than you were supposed to, so you actually owe us money? And so Ben's freaking out, because yeah, like, I mean, he just had like, a horrible time. He, um, you know, he spent money because his, he had to buy food, so his, none of his troops, so his troops could eat something other than their own shoes, which is what they were actually doing. They were like boiling their fucking. <laughs> they shoes ate their dogs, and dude. That's <laughs> it was bad. Yeah, but at least dog is meat. Like they're eating <laughs> shoes. That's so fucked. That's nuts. Ugh. Like dog, what? I mean, yeah, it's sad. You know, it's sad. Yeah, but people all over eat. They're dog. adorable. Yeah. We don't want to eat them. They're our best friends. But I also don't want to eat a shoe. If I was given a dog steak or a cooked shoe to eat, I'm sorry to say I would have to go with the dog steak. You know? Yeah, I get that. I get that. You know, <laughs> it makes 
makes but, uh, sense. So he had to buy all this food and all this all this stuff for uh, clothes and stuff out of his. He paid out of his own pocket, thinking that he'd get paid back because it actually like. I mean, eventually the Canadian campaign went downhill anyway, but at least that, like, prevented it from going way downhill. Um, yeah, like, he just, like, got them there. Yeah, he at least got them there. Um, so he thought he was going to get reimbursed, but it turns out, you know, you can't go spending a bunch of money and expect people to pay you back for everything when it's not approved. I mean, anyone that has an office job knows that you can't go in. And you by love this analogy. Well, I don't know if it even made it to any of the episodes. I've because... just I've heard it a lot. It's yeah, a because good analogy, this is the fourth, <laughs> this is the fourth, fifth time we're doing this. But it's that, uh, <laughs> you know what? I'm not even going to say it now. No, it's so, if no, you work no, in no, an no, office. No, 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 <laughs> no, nope. All right, well, you don't You can't go just spend go spending money, money and yeah. then expect people to pay you back if it's not something that they're approving for you to, to spend in the first place. So, sort of a fuck up, but also it's like, what are you going to do? You're just going to let these people starve? Like, yes. Fuck. That's probably what anyone else would have done. No. Yes. You can't do that. You're the, well, they would have turned around. Of, they would have turned around. They would have done something more that's sensible. True. That's true. Ben is insane, and he just has no value for people. I mean, the only reason I think that he ever did that in the first place, and we probably talked about it during that episode, was that he was like, well, if I can get these people here... Then I'm gonna be a fucking hero. So that's what I'm gonna Sibi do. Sibi Totike. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yes, thank you for bringing that back. Yeah, yeah. Episode one. Go back and listen to it. That's a callback. It means uh, what's good for what's good for the group is good for me. Yeah, basically. So that's his sort of motto. His yeah. life motto. Um, yeah. So anyway, yeah, he's pissed about Congress not paying him back for everything too. So he sent, turns in this letter of resignation. And this is actually, this is like the third time he's quit, right? Um, yeah, pretty much. I mean, he never really quit because uh, he always threatens to quit and then... He's that guy. Yeah. He's that guy. He's always threatening to quit and like freaking out. <laughs> Which and also he shows works. Up, he's like, I'm just kidding, guys. You know what I get. It's all, it also like, works, though. Asshole. But it's not a, also not a good way to make friends. Right? Which he didn't have any. You know, I was thinking about it. I don't think I read about a single person that was like, yeah, Benedict Arnold, my friend. Washington. No, Shiler. Washington later was just like, fuck that dude. Well, later, later, yeah. I'm just but... saying if you betrayed the country, I'd still be like, well, shit, yeah, I was Mike's friend back in the day. We lived together. Like, Yeah, but we're talking about right now. He still has a couple of friends. Really? When does the... when does I read like three books on this dude, watched a documentary, and it's never like, yeah, his good friend Tom and him, you know, like... This dude was really influential in his life. This guy has no friends. I don't think any of these people had friends. <laughs> Maybe that's just how it went back then. I, I yeah. don't know if you can have friends, like really good friends, when every day you're fighting not to freeze to death. You know, back to the Latin motto thing, what would your motto be if you had a motto in life? Um, leave me alone, just let me doom, die in peace. No, wait, that's sad. That's a lame one. <laughs> I don't know what... I can't, you can't put me on the spot like that. Let's see. Um, I'm going to do my thing and tough shit. If you, I would just say tough shit. That's a good one. What Maybe, would yours be? I don't know. That feels like a very like empowered single mother motto. Tough shit? I'm going to do my thing and tough shit. <laughs> well, I, don't, I don't need anybody <laughs> telling me what to do. I'm, that's what I've always been told. I'm, I have the body of a of a seven-year-old man and the mind of a single mother. <laughs> um, 
constantly on the brink of a mental collapse. <laughs> See, if I had a motto, I don't know. Eat more subs. Mm. That's a good one. <laughs> That's a good motto, right? <laughs> That's a good one. I mean, yeah. I would. I think if I had that motto, I would definitely eat more subs. Right? Like, at the end of our lives, we're dying. Like, what's up? Like, do you regret anything? It's like, well, I guess I could have ate more subs. <laughs> right? I mean, if you, I like, whoever's like at it, your deathbed, it'd be like, that makes sense. Like, those are fucking wise words. Yeah. Although, I don't know if you want to put that on your gravestone, because then it just seems like you were paid by Subway to, like, advertise your death for them. Whoa, that would be such a good idea. Get your headstone sponsored by Subway and you don't have to pay for it. It's like you're dead. What the fuck do you care? Yeah, so what do you care? But what do you care if you need money or getting somebody to pay for it? No, to pay for the headstone. You know, it's expensive. Me. But you're going to be dead anyway. I guess you're right. I don't know. It's not like you can enjoy free subs when you're dead. I'm just, you just throw me in the river. The L.A. river. (laughs) Just let you float down? Yeah, I'm not even going to float. I'm like too fat. Like I would drag on the bottom. Pretty much. That's just sad. Maybe you don't need to eat more subs. <laughs> um, all right. All right, so Ben's just got shit going on with Congress. Um, they're pissed. The Northern Army's moving down. The Central Army's moving in. Like, things are just all sorts of dismal in our story right now. Yeah, so Ben tries to quit, and um, things are so bad that they're like, they just ignore it. Congress ignores it entirely. Yeah, it's and, like they get news of like more disasters, and they're just like, "Here is like five thousand guys. We need you to go report to this guy. He is like, tech. He's like one of those people that was promoted over you, but he's actually going to be your junior. Like, but just just fucking be cool well, about yeah, it for a minute. It's like emergency time. So first they send him to Washington, and um, Washington, which is probably one of the reasons that Ben went so easily, because he's like, "All right, Wash has got my back." Yeah, Whatever. he likes that dude. But then as soon as he gets to Washington, Washington tells him that he's going to be serving under this guy, General St. Clair, who had been put in charge of Ticonderoga over Ben. Oh, all right. Um, and that, and this is, this is after uh, the British, Bur- Burgoyne's British march took Ticonderoga and forced St. Clair out. Yeah. Um, so St. Clair is getting a new job. Um, and Ben's basically working for him. He's sort of like going to be St. Clair's second or something like that. Which Ben felt a little slighted that he wasn't put in charge of uh, Ticonderoga as well. Yeah. So that's like extra weird little insult, salt in the wound, as he's got to serve under this dude. But and the irony of that is that if he had been at Ticonderoga, because Ticonderoga, it was just like, you had 15,000 highly trained British troops marching on this fort, and St. Clair was like, he had like nobody there with him, because they're all leaving, and he's like, um, alright, I'm, I'm gonna just go, if that's fine with you guys, and he just leaves, doing the smart thing, um, and the thing is, if Ben had been there, the guy that was there... You know it would have been a fucking bloodbath. <laughs> yeah. But it would have been a disaster. Yeah, he would have been like, all right, guys, let's go! And and his junior officers would have been like, um, there's like five of us, and there's like 15,000. He's like, victory or death, motherfuckers, what have I been saying this whole time? And he would have just gotten them all murdered or captured. And uh, 
just a little fun note, later in the story he's going to scream victory or death and then later be hobbled for life. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> spoiler alert. That yeah. is going to happen because he's sort of a gung-ho maniac. Yep. Um, Bit of a psycho. So, um... He, uh, so he ends up writing this place called Fort Edwards in Saratoga, um, and that's where Phil Schuyler's hanging out for the last remaining days of his command. command. Um, so while all that's going on, um, well, okay, so I think maybe we should This just is say perfect. It. No, while that's going on, he starts getting word that there's a nearby fort that, uh, the British are assailing... Oh, okay, we want to go to that? Yeah, jump to that let's right jump now. into Han Yost. And then let's segue. jump back to Burgoyne after that. Yeah, yeah, we'll talk about Burgoyne right before Saratoga. Right, so this boom, is like boom, a little boom. mini prologue to Saratoga. You're also getting a brief glimpse into the inner workings of Historama right there. Yeah. That's, That's us. Good. It's all BTS action. Yeah, yeah, you guys ever wonder how the pros do it? <laughs> yeah, we plan this out ahead all of time, All six obviously. of you that are going to hear this. <laughs> um... Hi, Derek. <laughs> uh, what's up, Derek? Um, so they, uh, that's my boy. Um, so they, so yeah, uh, Shiler sends Ben um, to go check out this fort called Fort Shiler. Um, and it's like a and little. F- the story behind that's kind of fun. The whole, I don't like, know that one. so this fort's under attack. It's got, uh, it drove away the nearby. Oh, I thought you meant I'm why like, it was called Fort Shiler. Oh, I have no idea why oh, it's called. Okay, yeah. He must just be like a vain dick. Like yeah, maybe. everyone I mean, else. They, you know, they named all their boats after them and their forts after them. And, I mean, there was a USS Washington. Yeah, but I don't think Washington was like standing on it like, hey, I'm going to name this the Washington. But like, Shiler was there. Did he name it Fort Shiler? I, he, he Congress must have. probably named it Fort Shiler. All right, Shiler. whatever. <laughs> I like Shiler. Let's not dish on Shiler. Shiler's like the about only to be a lot of person. Them, so. <laughs> yeah. All right. So you were saying. Oh, yeah. So this nearby fort, Fort Shiler, all the uh, U.S. forces are driven back. The British are sieging the fort. It's looking real bad. Yeah. Led by Lieutenant Colonel Barry St. Ledger, which oh, I just Saint think. St. Ledger, you is son the, of a bitch. I just think it's the most British name for a person you could possibly have. That's pretty fucking Barry St. Ledger. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I bet that dude had a butler. (laughs) Anyway, um, yeah, so this fort, it's it's in a bad way. It's got a lot of British clothes in it, and Shiler, you know, he's turned into all his, uh, you know, his uh, lieutenants and whatever officers, and uh, he's like, all right, boys, like, you know, the British are attacking this force, and we need someone to go up there and relieve them, and it's a suicide mission. It's not looking good. I just, you know, I'm looking for a volunteer. And it's like, who the fuck do you think steps forward? <laughs> Psycho, just violent asshole Benedict Arnold is like, you got it, boss. Like, let yeah, me at him. Let I me at him. I want to die in a blaze of glory. He really does. And just leave my three sons to be raised by my poor sister, whose only suitor ever. I drove, I drove away <laughs> with the gun. <laughs> Yep. So, speaking of him being a violent asshole, um, he gets up to the fort with his with all his soldiers, and he's like, "All right, guys, we're gonna try a head-on assault. We're gonna charge in there, guns blazing. Uh, What do you guys say?" And all the officers voted it down. (laughs) Yeah. 
like immediately. So he's camped out nearby this fort, and um, he's trying to figure out like, all right, how am I going to break this siege? Well, some of his soldiers drag in this guy, and he's uh, he's like a local royalist. He's been recruiting soldiers for the English. Um, he's also kind of like a known, not lunatic, he's like a crazy guy. Like, yeah. uh, he, he obviously had some sort of mental disorder he's just dirty before they knew he, what it was he mumbles about. a lot and probably walks around with his dick hanging out of his pants. Not necessarily on purpose, but just because... He forgot to wear underwear, and he forgot to button his fly. And everybody laughs, but, like, not until he's out of earshot. <laughs> yeah, because he would probably turn on them and do something. <laughs> Chase him down. Well, they drag this dude. Dirty, floppy dick of his. Han Yost. Actually, it's Han Yost Shiler. Yeah. And he, he claimed he was the cousin of Philip Shiler. Which, who the fuck knows? Again, crazy man. Yeah. As evidenced by what he's about to do. Um, so they're holding him, and they're thinking, okay, this asshole's been recruiting soldiers for the British. You know, fuck him, we'll just throw him in a little cage. And he said, wait, 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 I have an idea. Well, they were going to execute him. Yeah, they were, oh, they were going to just put him down. Yeah. That's fucked. Well, they, they captured him as a traitor. But he's just some, oh, whatever. All right, yeah, they're going to fucking kill this dude then. Yeah. And so he's like, wait, 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 wait. If you spare me, I have an idea. And Ben's like, all right, go on. What's going on? And he said, I'll run into the British camp, and I'm going to tell them that there's, like, a ton of Americans coming, and they better, like, get lost. They better get out of there, and everybody trusts me because I, you know, I do shit for the British all the time. You know, I'll go in. I'll really sell it. I mean, and he wasn't necessarily, like, thinking that he could drive off the British soldiers, but they were, they were like, stacked with North uh, Native American uh, backup. Like, yeah. there was a lot of, like, Native Yeah, like, scouts and there, all sorts of... There. Yeah. And I guess uh, Native Americans, and uh, this is me not knowing, but uh, they have, like, sort of a special reverence for these people with uh, mental instabilities... It's actually really... I saw something about it. It's interesting. But again, another episode. Um, but basically, he's like, yeah, I can go freak them out. I can go freak them out and drive some of them off. You know, I'll, I'll, it'll help in some way. Trust me. And if you don't trust me, um, hold my wife and daughter hostage. I thought it was his mom and his brother. That makes more sense. Yeah, I don't think this he had a wife that, yeah. or a child. <laughs> I don't think anyone... No more Yosts out there. <laughs> no, I don't think so. He didn't really have that special something that would his mom and his brother. <laughs> it's like that's even... it's like if they held Cliff Clavin hostage. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Good old Cheers reference right there. <laughs> uh, but so so there, Ben's like, all right, fuck it. Like, what do I have to lose? This is some crazy guy out here. We'll yeah, probably just like, catch him again. If it doesn't work out, at least I get to kill this old lady. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, win-win. <laughs> so he, uh, they're like, all right, dude, do your thing. So the first thing he does, he strips down, shoots a bunch of holes into his clothing. And then he just takes off like a shot. He runs into the enemy camp. He's like freaking out, screaming, um, just telling everybody, you got to get out of here. Oh, my God, there are all these Americans coming. They're just going to get you. And like a day later, the native uh, soldiers, the auxiliaries, they fucking book it they're yeah, like, like fuck well, that this crazy dude saying this shit that's like an omen i'm out we're not we're not gonna chance it so like boom that like 
not halves, but it knocks a big chunk of the fighting strength of the British down. Yeah. Then, some of the British start catching the bug too. And it's it's just hilarious. So they they all basically the Brits get freaked out and they back off, and Ben relieves this force without ever doing any real battle. Yeah. No shots were fired. Except Han Yost shooting holes in his underwear. <laughs> yeah. Which is like, if they got the shots in the underwear, where? how would you not get shot? It's that's kind of, a, uh... that's gunpowder. That's what those streaks are. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I feel like that's kind of a goofy... It's one of the goofier stories. Yeah. It's just, uh, you know, if they shot him a bunch and he had holes all over his clothes, but he didn't have any bullets in him, <laughs> you know, how did they really think that... I don't understand why they have I mean, for that. but you look at the casualties from the battle. Like, sometimes I feel like goofy shit like that could happen. Like, we're just, like, shooting hot rocks at each other. Like... Yeah, I guess. Just, like, burn a hole in your shirt. I don't Was know. I mean, made of I don't steel? know. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. <laughs> I don't get it. Anyway. So, uh... It worked. Yeah, yeah, it totally worked. And so Ben's returning to the main camp, like, total victory. And you want to talk about what's awaiting him at the yes. camp? So while he was going out to Fort Schuyler, um, Congress finally relieved Philip Schuyler of his duties as commander of the Northern Army and replaced him with Gates. Well, it was like, originally it was like a sort of temporary thing, right? Like they were like, hey, we just want you to come down and give a report on what happened and why we lost Ticonderoga. Yeah. Like, they just wanted to, like, they were just going to chew his ass out for a while. And so I don't know if Gates was given permanent or temporary control then, but uh, he holds on to it. I mean, yeah, it becomes permanent. I don't remember. I know that he, Shiler is like, all right, I'm just going to go down there and try to take care of this. And it ended up just being like, well, Forced retirement. Yeah, basically. <laughs> so while the funny thing is when Ben was heading out to Fort Shiler, that's like the exact moment that Gates took over. And Gates was, was like, hey, Ben, don't go do that Fort Shiler thing. And Ben's like, no, I'm good, I got this. And he just keeps going and ignores an order from his commanding officer. Um, and then he it works out at Fort Shiler, but then when he gets back, uh, Gates takes all the credit for it. Oh, yeah. Even though he told him not to do it in the first place. Yeah, he doesn't mention <laughs> Ben's name once. Yeah. When he gives his military report. Which, you know, hey, that's better than getting like a, uh, what's it called when, a court-martial, because you ignored an, a command from an, a, an officer that's a higher rank than you, so I guess not getting credit for something that you did is probably better than going to jail. And it's kind of crazy, because Gates is like a really cautious commander when he commands forces. He does not like crazy plans. No, and that's Ben's. And that's yeah, it's for it's his forte. Yeah, like just crazy shit. He he's got it. He loves doing it. So um, so yeah, that kind of that kind of pissed him off, and he was also kind of confused by it because, uh, at the time he still Gates and him were like on pretty good terms, um, but that will slowly start to degrade the longer the two of them are hanging out at Fort Edward and then later on at Bemis Heights, when we get up to Saratoga. And, uh, well, speaking of Saratoga, I guess we should catch you up on how the Northern British Army is doing. Yeah, so this is my, I love this I know this you stuff, do. Because it's so funny, because so, so, um, after 
Valcor Island, if you remember, this guy, um, his name was Guy Carlton. He was like the leader at um, first at uh, Montreal. And then after that, he went over to Quebec. And um, after he took, after he defended Quebec successfully, he was the one that was like leading the charge of routing out all, all the Americans out of Canada. Um, but when Valcour Island happened, um, the British, you know, gave him credit. Technically, he won the battle, but they weren't happy with how poorly he won the battle. And so they replaced him to lead the, the march down towards the Americans um, with this guy, John Burgoyne, who is... A Gentleman Johnny Burgoyne. Gentleman Johnny Burgoyne. He, I, I love, I love all these different eras, like military leaders and how they all have a sort of like different personalities mm. and they'll, they'll have these like big larger than live life egos and gentleman Johnny Burgoyne's is that he was this sort of like dashing, handsome, risk taking, just Confident. master. Yeah. yeah. Well, so, and he also was given like 15,000 troops to lead. So that kind of boosts your ego a little bit. Yeah. Um, so he starts off by, you know, he t- takes to Conderoga and that's pretty good. There you go. That's like number one job. The first job you have as the leader and you do it and, uh, you do it pretty, uh, forcefully and successfully. But the problem was they got to Conderoga and John realizes, uh, he's got to leave some troops at Ticonderoga. Yeah, if the Americans retake it, he'd be stuck. So he asks uh, Guy Carlton, who he replaced, he's like, hey, Guy, can you maybe spare like a few thousand people from Quebec, which is not at all in danger of being captured because the Americans are super far away and definitely won't ever try coming into Canada again because we whooped their asses so hard? You know, maybe just a few thousand? And Guy Carlton still a little salty from the slight of being replaced, <laughs> says, nah, I need them. And John's like, you need you need all those guys? And he's like, yep. And so he just doesn't give him any people to defend, uh, to defend for Ticonderoga. So Burgoyne has to leave, like, a third of his troops um, at Ticonderoga, right there. Like, immediately he's losing a third of his troops as he's marching down. Um, so that's... The fir- first little uh, uh, speed bump in the road to success for John Burgoyne. Um, but that doesn't really, that doesn't really uh, waver his confidence too much. You know, he's still having a great time marching down through Canada, down into New York. He's got uh, a bunch of champagne. He's always drinking champagne. He's the... fucking the wife of a, one of his commissaries. Um, he is... Joined by this Hessian general von Riestel, who is calling his the Burgoyne's march a march of annihilation because that's the most German. Thing. Yeah, because yeah. we didn't already get that he was German. He had to call it the march of annihilation. Um, and uh, von Riestel's wife is also not fucking Burgoyne, but being like, "Oh, look at this charming gentleman." He's drinking champagne, and this is great. What a good old time! Like they're just—it's like a party bus. It's the party bus version of a of a military march, but you know what sucks about party buses? If they get a flat tire, 
<laughs> and you're one of like the 500 slaves that's just pulling it up a hill <laughs> yeah. because the engine cut out forever ago. Yeah, and it starts to be a lot less fun. Yeah. So so not only does he um, not only does he have to leave 5,000 troops at Ticonderoga, but before Shiler, Philip Shiler was re- uh, relieved of his command, one of his last the last things he did was send a bunch of woodsmen up. To he knew that they were going to be marching down, so he had them chop down a bunch of fucking trees and just make the roads like near impossible to cross. He's um, just wacky races them. Yeah, basically, yeah. Like a bunch of logs. wacky racing them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't. Um, and uh, changing signs, cutting down trees across paths, and yeah, painting like tunnels on <laughs> on the sides of mountains, and they're all just piling into them and just running into the wall a bunch. Just, I know that's winning terms, but... Well, just uh, imagine you're like a soldier and you're waking up, you're like, fuck, all right, let's keep marching, let's go. And you look at the road ahead of you and there's just like 20 big-ass trees across it. You're just like, yeah. fuck! Yeah, so, and not only that, but it was disrupting the the supply chain. Um, so a lot of Burgoyne's men were like going without ammunition, without food, without supplies. And at that get they were getting sick. There was like not... It was not good, and it left them incapable of, of participating in combat. You know, it was like the reverse of Ben's march. Like, Ben's just started shitty and, like, got shittier and then kind of got good. Burgoyne started good, kind of got better, and then got real shitty. Yeah. Yeah, it just, went, it just keeps going downhill more it's and more. It's all bad. And then the cherry on top was that he was supposed to, like, meet up with Howe. And they were, like, going to combine their armies. But Howe was just like, you know what? As we mentioned before, he was like, you know, I'm just going to chill. Because I'm not going to... That just sounds terrible. <laughs> like, I'm just going to hang out with all my troops. Well, then he's and like, just... you know, I'm spanking Washington all over this area. I'm going yeah. into winter quarters early. Going to take it easy. Because I'm just going to fucking blast his ass next year. And he was like, you know, when's the last time I had a vacation? You know, sometimes you really got to <laughs> focus on yourself. Yeah, a little so, self-love. Uh, so, yeah, so Burgoyne's whittled down from 15,000 troops by the time he reaches where the Americans are, which is the Fort, Fort Edward, Saratoga area. By the time he gets down there, it's he's got like 4,000 troops that are like ready for combat yeah, out of 15,000. And they're just like hungry and cold and yeah, they're annoying. Not, they're not super stoked. Especially because they saw all their buddies sort of, like, get lost along the way, left at Ticonderoga, get sick. They had to move a bunch of logs out of the way. Which sucks. One of them ran face first into a mountain because he thought it was a tunnel. It was just a mess. It was a bad time. Yeah. So that's kind of where we're at with the uh, with Burgoyne and his British army. But that being said, they are the British army. They're still ten times better at everything than the Americans. <laughs> Um, so it's not dire, but, you know, Burgoyne, and Burgoyne's still pretty confident at this point, um, but it definitely evened the playing field a lot more for the Americans by the time we get to Saratoga. Yeah, and like you were saying, at Saratoga, they're just digging in. Like, Gates is not really one to chance it. He's like, all right, if the British are coming, I'm going to dig in, I'm going to get in the best defenses I can, and we're just going to hold out here. Like, he's a very defensive guy with his planning. Yeah. Uh, one so, of the other things before we get into that, too. Yeah, yeah, what's up? 
one of the big reasons that how um, this is important because it sort of sets up something later. One of the big reasons that Howe didn't meet up with Burgoyne is because Howe was going down to Chesapeake Bay because he was going to go down to Chesapeake Bay and then move up to Philadelphia because his big plan was, I'm going to fucking kick Congress right in the nuts and kick them out of Philadelphia, um, which by the end of this saga he ends up doing for a brief period of time. But that was a big reason why Howe wasn't showing up at Burgoyne meeting up with Burgoyne because he had his own sort of agenda and he wanted to totally demoralize the Continental Army by by just routing their Congress out of their de facto capital. So, yeah, that was, that's yeah. all I wanted to say. So, back to Gates. Back to Gates. Uh, yeah, so he's digging in all along this river so that his uh, right flank will be protected off to the left. The Hudson uh, River. Yeah, yeah, Hudson River. And then uh, off a little further on his left side were a bunch of hills, Bemis Heights. Yeah, Bemis Heights was like this 300-foot hill that was... Because Ben obviously was like, let's go out, we gotta go out there. We got this whole force ahead of us that's between us and the British. He's chomping at the fucking I mean, bit. he wants to do because it kind of makes sense because the forest is great cover against the kind of shitty artillery that they had back then and all the crappy bullets that they had. Like, trees... A really good cover against shitty ammunition. Yeah. Um, and he was like, why don't we just go in there while we still have the chance to use the forest as cover and start attacking them now? But Gates was like, no, we're just going to sit here because we got a fort and stuff and we're cool. And so, so fucking ben, ben is just chomping at the bit. He's pushing, like, fucking attack every day. His theory was he didn't want to let Burgoyne pick the time and place of the battle. He was like, if we go out after him now, we can pick when it is. And Gates is like, fuck that. We're, like, building defenses. Yeah. Like, why would we do that? Yeah. We've got, like, a 300-foot hill that we're sitting on top of that overlooks everything. Why would we not just use that as, like, a de facto fortress or as a made-up fortress? I don't know. It's kind of it's kind of interesting. I gotta agree with Ben on that one, though. To be honest. Yeah, they even said that Burgoyne was counting, like in his planning, on the U.S. not leaving their defenses. Well, because he knew that's what was happening. Because you had a bunch of like American deserters that were telling him that that's what was happening. So he knew that it was already they were already screwed, because he already knew that they were just going to be sitting there. So anyway. But uh. No, it's, it's just funny. So Ben, you know, every day is saying, like, let's go attack, let's go attack, let's go attack. And finally Gates is just like, shut the fuck up. And he stops inviting him to the planning meetings. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's and embarrassing. So, yeah, and so... He's left off the guest list. Yeah, Ben is just, he's like throwing a fit. And then he finds out some of his soldiers were reassigned. He's getting more upset. And, uh... It's funny, he, he brings it up with Gates, and Gates apologizes, but never fixes it. Yep. But uh, speaking about the, the forested area we were talking about before, he's pushing Gates more and more, hey, can I keep some forces here? And Gates is like, mm, all right, but if shit starts going down and you guys are in trouble, just remember, I'm not going to send out a single guy. But if you think that's a great place for your people... Like, do it. Yeah, so one of those guys was Daniel Morgan, who you might remember from All the All-American badass. Episode. Yeah, Daniel Morgan's, like, probably one of the coolest guys in this 
coonskin uh, hat wearing, yeah. getting thrown off defenses and then running back in, yelping motherfucker. Yeah, just lead, leading this like elite sniper corps. Like <laughs> badass. They're all dressed exactly the same, except he's got the biggest, bushiest coonskin <laughs> hat. So you know he's the leader. It's just like a whole fucking beaver <laughs> on his head. <laughs> um, and uh, so they head out to this vantage point called Freeman's Farm. Um, and they're kind of set up, they're set up for, for, um, for Burgoyne's incoming troops. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, then, so Gates tells him, all right, you can go on a scouting mission. You can set out like advanced snipers, whatever. Um, and within like two hours of heading out, they find. Yeah. They're like, there's a bunch of British guys like just up the street. They're building some bridge that we blew up. Yeah. Uh, So they, so, so, um, Ben goes back and he's telling them that so from where they're looking the Hudson River is on their right side on the left side in the center is like a road the farm Freeman's farm is sort of in the center a little bit ways out from Bemis Heights um, and Ben's telling them they're gonna start moving down the left flank they, they got a bunch of people and they're all gonna be and he's he's telling them they gotta watch the left flank and of course Gates's reaction is like all right you know what I'm gonna do I'm gonna watch the right flank, and just watch the river. It's like, why would they go down the left? They're just gonna come right down the main river road yeah. into all of our defenses. Yeah, obviously he was that cocky about it. Well, he was initially proven correct. Well, he was initially proven correct because like uh, 1,100 troops or so, 1,100 British troops start marching down the river, and he's like, "Hey, I told you, look what I." He's just sitting there like, "Head dumbass." Yeah. And then, um, who would have known? But the fact that there are all there are like thirty three hundred moving down the left <laughs> flank a little bit after the initial British march down the river flank. That's in military terms. We call that a fake out. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that's that's because Burgoyne knew that they had. They were just going to wait. Like killer and they killer defenses. Yeah, yeah, and they were expecting it. So he's like, all right, well, then we're just going to do a three-pronged approach, and we're going to catch them by surprise. Because he had all these deserters telling him what was going on. So uh, a, so the battle sort of ensues. And at first, it kind of starts working out. Like, so, yeah, he's outnumbered, but Ben's got, like, some of his best units, uh, Daniel Morgan's snipers, hanging out on his flank where all these guys are coming in. And it's like the first volley they fire kills like every officer in that first attack. Yeah, and that was when, um, isn't that when like Ben goes out and he's telling uh, Morgan's people to fire at this one general who was just hanging out on his horse? Or is that later? Second battle. Oh, okay. My bad. But it's still pretty cool that these guys are that fucking pimp. Yeah. Yeah, but it, are, it's like the same shots. shit. Yeah, these guys are just like wasting all their officers, and the soldiers are all kind of standing around like, "What are we doing now?" And then you know the next volley comes and kills a few of them. And, well, and, just... then, and the best, the funniest, well, not funniest. I mean, funny if you're a fucking sick piece of shit like I am, is that the British start the British in the front start to retreat, and then all the uh, British in the back are still firing, and they end up killing a ton of their own people because there's just it's so just crazy. You've got all these. You got these guys in coonskin caps firing at you from the woods. You got a bunch, you got a crazy Ben Arnold riding around on his horse swinging a sword around. There's all kinds of shit going on. 
And so all these guys just end up right running into their into friendly fire. It's just a shit show. Like the Brits are like not really prepared for it. So the Brits, they're they're looking like not so great, even though they have like an insane numerical advantage. Yeah, they're and on the ropes. Like they they're they're stumbling around. They're like one punch away from getting knocked out. Or at least that's what Ben was thinking. So yeah. he orders all his guys to start charging the enemy lines. Right as the British sort of get their shit together. So his guys are getting stuck in. There's like a crazy fight happening. And he's like, oh shit, you know, we're outnumbered. This is looking really crazy. He rides back to camp and he's like, Mr. Gates, Mr. Gates, can I get some more soldiers, please? And Gates is just like, the fuck did I tell you? (laughs) I told you like 10 goddamn minutes ago. If this shit starts hitting the fan with your guys, I'm not sending out all my soldiers from this sweet fortress. And so Ben's like, all right, well, fuck. I guess I'll just go back and, you know, whatever. He, like, scraped up a couple hundred guys. Well, yeah, Gates gave him, like... Like, Ben was asking for, like, a, a, few, a couple thousand more, and Gates gave him, like, 500 more troops. But the fucked up thing was, just as they're about to, like, really put the nail in the coffin on this one... Gates is like, all right, now then you come back. So he just leaves all of these troops out there with no leader to tell them what to do. Which, it was so disastrous for the British just five minutes ago having their officers wiped out. Now this entire side doesn't have anyone in charge of it. Yeah, so guess what happens? Yeah, so they just sort of fuck off. Yeah. Like, you know, it's like, what are they going to do? I know I've said kick them in the nuts like a bunch of times already, but that... Was this just, was basically like the two of them just playing Rochambeau <laughs> and then just both going down. Like it was, it was sort of like a, it could have been like a crazy quick victory for the Americans, but it ended up, they lost way more troops than they needed to. Um, but that being said. Well, that was, so it was like a technical British victory, but the Brits were kind of freaked out. Like they took those, uh, those, like the forest and the Freeman's farm. But it cost them twenty one percent of their fighting force. In the fir- in the first bet in this first battle. In this first battle. Oh. Because after that they're gonna surrender. Oh, that's true. Yeah. So I have some numbers here. Um, Burgoyne between like actual uh, deaths and like injuries. Uh, Burgoyne lo- uh, suffered six hundred casualties. Whereas the Americans suffered about half of that, 63 deaths and 200 wounded. Is that half of 600? Yeah, like 263. It's almost 300, so it's like half. Easy. I don't know. It says that we lost 60 guys. Yeah, but we 63 were killed, but another 200 were injured. Oh, whoops. My bad, guys. I... It's, yeah, right there. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I was trying to read the notes real quick while he was talking. Yeah, no. Didn't work I out. Check the notes. But yeah, whatever. So we, yeah, it was like the British technically won, but they were just like, oh, fuck. Like, that was so many more guys than we wanted to use on this. Like, yeah. It's already not looking great. They didn't really secure, like, an, like a full victory. So both sides just sort of dig in, and they're really close to each other. Yeah. Which wouldn't be a huge deal, because, you know, they're exchanging shots here and there, but the British are, like, running the fuck out of food. And every time they try and send some guys out to pick berries and shit, 
you know, Daniel Morgan and his snipers are out there blowing their fucking brains out. Yeah. Well, so, um, before we even get to that, though, um, after the first battle, Ben was really chomping to get back out there, and Gates was like, nope, and he actually ends up taking, like, full credit for the, like, the, the you know, the, the what sort of What asshole. Picture. Yeah. <laughs> oh my and, god. And he even goes so far as to say that Ben was not out of camp during the whole action. Which is like, yes, he. What like, the fuck? <laughs> yeah. Like, that was all his stuff. But, like, you know, technically, Ben was in the camp when the battle ended. So, you know. I mean. It's easy to get away like, with, is no, what I'm saying. That's, ugh, it's an easy lie to get away what with. What an asshole. Um, but, you know, that didn't. Get, that assholery was not unnoticed by the rest of the people at the at the camp. That's like, true. The other soldiers were definitely noticing, hey, this Benedict guy, we just like got a crazy victory, didn't even use that many of our own lives. Like what a cool dude, huh? Yeah, so he's sort of getting gaining popularity, but he's also really pissed that Gates is just treating him like shit and he's trying to leave. Meanwhile, he's getting more popular, so Gates, in sort of retaliation, reassigns Morgan's regiment away from Ben's command, which is just like a personal blow. Yeah, Mor- that was Morgan like a real and, fuck you. Morgan and Ben work together at Quebec. They like know each other. They both respect each other. Morgan actually like really respects Ben because he's also sort of this like Hard cowboy driving. motherfucker yeah. who just wants to get shit done. This John McClane motherfucker who doesn't care. He'll step on glass without shoes. He doesn't give a <laughs> shit. Um, so, so you have all these this kind of like weird back and forth, and Ben's just kind of like, you know what? Fuck this. I don't need this shit. I'm gonna go back to Washington. He really appreciates me. But you have this like weird Spartacus moment where all these troops start standing up saying, "I am Ben Arnold. I'm Ben Arnold." And they just kind of stand up for him, brings a little tear to Ben's eye, and soothes his ego enough to convince him to stay. Um, so yeah, there's like a weird almost moment where they almost he almost breaks up the band, but they stay together. Yeah, yeah, Ben. Yeah, he threatens to leave. He's packing up. He just had it out with uh, Gates, and they were worried that it was gonna come to like a duel mm. because. Uh, Ben was so pissed. Well, he's also no stranger to duels. Right? That's true. Fucking Gates doesn't know he's messing with. I mean, he got on a duel just because someone called him a Yankee. A damn Yankee. A damn Yankee, which ended up being one of the more popular Broadway musicals later on. So I don't see how that's an insult. But yeah, it's okay. like a compliment. Yeah. You sing and dance well. It's also a good, very successful baseball team. Well, all right. What was I saying? Second Battle of Saratoga? Second Battle... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so Ben is actually... After all of this fighting, he's getting ready to storm out, and he was going to go run crying to Washington, but Gates was like, here's the deal. You can go, but the only people you can talk to about the last day or two is Congress. Because Gates sees the writing on the fucking wall. All the soldiers are, like, thumbing their nose at him like, you dick. Mm. And, uh, you know, Ben's crying his eyes out. Why would you make Ben cry, you asshole? And Ben's about to quit. Yeah, and the soldiers, like Mike was saying with the I'm Spartacus thing, they, they all sign this letter 
saying like, look, please don't go. Just stick around for the next few days. There's going to be one more battle. This Gates guy doesn't know what the fuck he's doing. We all feel a lot safer with you around. Mm. And so he's like, all right, I'll stick around. So that's like an even bigger blow to Gates' ego. So Gates has him confined to his tent. (laughs) And yeah, then a few days later, uh, you know, we're queuing up for Saratoga part two. Yeah, well, they, so there was like this weird break where we, which you mentioned before, where they were like a mile apart from each other or something. Mm. They were like super close to each other throughout like half of September, like a half of a month. They were all just sitting there waiting not really sure what to do. Yeah, and nobody could really run because like, then the other guy will chase him down. Ben really wanted to to go out there and get him before the British had a chance to like dig in, which is exactly what Burgoyne had them doing. They were building redoubts, which are like these uh, wooden enclosures that you use to fortify fortifications, which is like extra protection. It's like an old-fashioned bunker when a log could still stop a bullet. Yeah, it's like double bagging, you know? Yeah. <laughs> you just, that little extra protection. Double bagging. <laughs> um, it's for sandwiches. Get your mind out of the gutter. Yeah, for groceries. You Double bag your sandwich so it doesn't fucks. get all wet and sweaty. Um, so, uh, what, what was... Oh, and Burgoyne was also sort of waiting because he had, like... He was supposed to have 3,000 extra troops coming in being led by this guy, Henry Clinton, this General Henry Clinton. Um, but... While Henry Clinton was marching, he was like, oh, I heard I gotta go to New York, so I'll, I'll see ya. So he doesn't make it. And then he sends these troops, but without someone to tell them where to go, they didn't really know what to do. So they took, like, a lot longer to get there. Yeah, they, they showed up they, uh, late. <laughs> yeah, late to the party. Um, so, but, but the whole time, Ben's kind of like, we gotta just go out, we gotta go. Um, and... Oh, and, and Burgoyne's also losing guys like you were mentioning because at night, you know, that was the only time when they could actually go and get stuff because they were so close together that they didn't want to go out during the day because they'd be easily spotted. So they started sending people out at night to pick up supplies. But, you know, if Daniel Morgan's snipers weren't blowing British heads off, there were just like wolves that were just going to packs of wolves which just wandering no man's land that were just eating scores of British soldiers that were trying to just pick berries. And this is like before World War One. Yeah. Like horrible stuff did happen but like some guy catching a musket ball to the leg and then later being devoured by wolves while all his buddies a mile away are trying to fall asleep while they hear him screaming his brains <laughs> out. brutal. Yeah, like they, they were not... They were having a real bad time. Some those are some crazy wolves too. I feel like the more British soldiers they ate, just the, the thirstier they were for human <laughs> blood, and they just we just like created a whole breed of wolves that just just craved human flesh just from that one battle. It's nuts. Yeah, <laughs> that was a real weird direction. You I don't took know. That. It's just crazy. I like that. Think, no, I like that, these. It's the heat. It's we're doing this in like a heat wave, guys. <laughs> yeah, it's like a hundred degrees in this room right now. Yeah, we're like both out of shape too. It's not good. No, I'm so out of shape. But we're talking about wolves eating people. <sighs> Seems like a sweet relief from this goddamn uh, hellscape that we live in yeah, called Los sprinkle Angeles. Sprinkle the British blood on me. <laughs> um, so yeah, the Brits are sort of struggling, but in, but Gates is still like, nah. I think we're just gonna sit sit tight. 
see what happens. Well, Gates does, let's be real, he's kind of got him in a shitty spot where it's like if they try to run, he could go after him. Yeah. But if they sit tight, he's winning because yeah. he doesn't have supply problems. Yeah. His guys are all, you know. Well, the British have to move down. Gates doesn't necessarily have to move up. That's yeah. the whole thing. And also, as this is all going on, more and more Americans are piling in. So by this point, Gates is down to like 4,000 um, troops from his like 5,000 that he started with. Meanwhile, or no, not Gates, sorry, Burgoyne is yeah. down to 4,000. And Gates has like 11,000 troops just piling in. And Ben is just slamming his head on the table, screaming every day, let's go attack him. And that's why Gates is like, nope, stay in your room. Mm-hmm. But eventually something's gotta give. And Burgoyne was left with a decision. He could either retreat or he could just soldier on through. And Burgoyne starting off so with such talking so much shit about Just the Americans. Fucking his coworkers' wives, yeah. drinking champagne. Yeah, talking all this smack the whole fucking time. Yeah. Like backing down isn't really an option at this point for this guy. Like, he's got a lot to prove. So, his idea is, I'm going to send half my troops and just see what the fuck. Maybe we can just, like, push through to Albany. Because that's really where they're trying to get right now. Um, so, he starts sending these guys in. and um, Yeah, Burgoyne yeah. starts moving and uh, Gates lines all his guys up for battle. And the fight starts. Yeah, the old fight starts. But Ben wasn't allowed to take part in any of it. You know he's just laying down in his tent. He's hearing the musket fire and his nipples are getting hard. <laughs> he can hear the cannons going off and he's just got a... He's pitching tent in his little bed. Mm. And uh, So he says, you know what? Fuck this. I'm gonna get in there. I'm gonna get in this shit. So he jumps on the back of this black stallion who's probably like, hey, isn't this guy that gets horses killed all the time <laughs> and uh he's like he screams victory or death yeah screams that loves it and just goes flying out of the fucking camp yeah he's like oh, yeah. he he starts he stops for a second to pick up a few he can he convinces these connecticut militia to to accompany him because they have so much in common you know being from connecticut and being from Connecticut. Hey, Connecticut, man. How you spell that? I'm not totally sure. Let's go. <laughs> I never went to school because yeah. I'm from a poor family. Yeah. <laughs> and Ben's like, well, I got kicked out of school because my dad drank himself to death. So there you go. They, they just... became best friends. <laughs> yeah, that was his best friend. So Ben rides out on his black stallion, waving his sword around, screaming victory or death. And the first group that he meets up with is Morgan's group which I messed up earlier. And this is when he's like, hey, you see that general over there? That British general? That's sure would be great if you fucking shot him. Yeah, so they they do. Yeah, Dan, fucking Daniel Morgan's like, what are you talking about? Turns around, puts his musket under his leg, and just blasts this dude's yeah, brains you know. out with a trick shot. <laughs> that do, 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 the Harlem Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I love that song. Yeah, no, I yeah. wish I could whistle, because that would have been better. No, dude, it would have been horrible to balance that. But yeah, no, uh, Daniel Morgan just puts his rifle between his legs like a penis, scoots forward a little bit, and bam, just blows the 
enemy general's head or whatever officer. General Simon Fraser. No longer of this earth. Yeah, just fucking (laughs) getting his thinker popped. Yep. Um, So... So then the British forces, they're kind of wavering. They're kind of like... Oh shit! Like they're falling back to the back to the Fraser died. Yep. And uh, so they're yeah they're kind of falling back a little bit. And Ben is waving his sword. You know, let's attack! Let's attack! And ah. Gates is sending people out after him. Being like, you gotta come back. And he's like, no, I don't have to do anything. I got this badass horse. I got this sword, and I'm insane. So I don't have to listen to you. <laughs> so Ben leads a charge. Into the enemy defenses. Yeah, into, into one of the British redoubts. And then, that doesn't really work, so he grabs another unit and leads it on a charge into the same place. Well, so he saw that there was this other redoubt that was... Well, that's what's happening, is he goes at it a bunch of times, he's and he checking can't get things in, out, yeah. And he looks over and he's like, oh, now I realize my mistake. I've been attacking the strongest position and getting all of our people shot at. <laughs> yeah. We should attack over there... Where there's just, like, two guys picking flowers. Yeah, there's only, like, 200 Hessians as opposed to, like, 2,000 British troops. So he's, um... But meanwhile, the whole time, he's just riding back and forth in front of, like, between the lines. Yeah, he's in no man's land. (laughs) It's just, like... Just pulling soldiers all (laughs) over this fucking battlefield. Yeah, a hail of fucking musket fire. He's just somehow avoiding it. Meanwhile, his horse is shitting his pants the whole time yeah it's just rocket propelled by like (laughs) fear shit (laughs) um and uh so they find that he finds the hessian readout and this is like one of my favorite parts of this particular story oh because there's this guy um what's his name it's like herman bremen or something like that heinrich bremen he's this like hessian the hessian leader and he's just like all those guys are like uh, you know Air General, we have to get the fuck out of here. And he's like, no, never surrender. And he's just waving his sword around at them. He's t- he takes out like a few of his guys who are just trying to calm him down. He's just hitting them with his sword, just whipping them with the saber. And they're like, you know what, fuck this guy. And they just shoot him because <laughs> he's he's just such an asshole. Um, so before Benz even gets over there, there's already all this drama going going down in this redoubt. Um, and once Ben shows up, they, the, the Hessians are like, alright, we're, we're getting the fuck out of here. But, as they're retreating, they turn around for one last volley, and this is the volley after missing thousands of rounds of musket yeah, fire while like he's riding Neo back and forth. like in the Matrix on horseback. Yeah, this one instance where the Hessians send a volley back right before retreating hits Ben in his left leg which is his bad leg. It's the one that got injured at uh, Quebec. And not only that, but they hit his horse like a million times. And the horse is dead instantly. It's like a pin cushion. (laughs) Yeah. Just sucks up the bullets. And that that horse goes down and lands. Why'd you have to make that slurping noise? Because I love it. (laughs) I love just thinking about horses getting shot for no reason because their riders are jackasses. Um... But, so this horse, this beautiful black stallion, this majestic black black stallion, 
uh, fault lands on Ben and crush. Not only does his leg get shot, but it also crushes his leg into like a million pieces. Yeah, so there's a fairly large chunk of lead bouncing around his thigh. <laughs> yeah. And then a huge horse just falls down and smashes it. Yeah. And, um... So he's down. He's down. He's down. He's still sort of yelling out orders, but he's he's not in a good spot. Nope. Uh, he's got a crushed leg. Shot and crushed. But, meanwhile... Um, the Americans, do you want to sort of... Oh, it's just, so, yeah, um, with the Hessians in full retreat, Burgoyne's looking at his lines and he's just thinking, shit, this is a wash, we're about to lose, and, uh, he ends up having to surrender to Gates. Yeah. As it was just, he couldn't safely retreat, he was just running out of options. There was not enough supplies, not enough nothing to continue the fight, so... Big moment. Yeah, he surrenders, and it was uh, one of the shining moments in Gates's career. Yeah. Um, later, Burgoyne would actually write, attesting to Benedict Arnold's attacks being sort of what did him in. Um, if Ben hadn't been part of this fight, I don't know if the British would have won, but their loss would have been prolonged. Yeah. And like Gates more wasn't. Americans would have been yeah. Out. Yeah, like this was kind of like a quick and painless versus like a slow bleed. Out. I mean, even it probably saved British lives too, even though it was a loss for them. Yeah, maybe. I mean, a bunch of them surrendered. That's for sure. Um, six thousand of them surrendered. Well, There's... how are there six thousand when my numbers said there was only four thousand? Because I looked on Wikipedia and it said <laughs> six thousand. Well, I looked at a book. So, who's right? I don't know. Fucking. <laughs> anyway, anyway a thousand. couple thousand dudes got captured. It was like. 000. It's something like. Like 60 Americans die. Uh, <laughs> just figure we'll get all those noises out there for you. Um, whatever. It's like a huge American victory. Yeah. And Ben definitely was an integral part of the victory. Of. The extent of the victory, especially. Yeah, yeah, the fact that it was, like, that crushing and over that quickly. And that's what really got the attention of the French. And this was why this was, yeah, Saratoga winning, was such a huge win for the Americans. Yeah, because Burgoyne and Howe, they were both leading, like, these massive invasion, super badass European modern armies. And one of them was just completely annihilated. By the American forces. Yeah. So, like, the French, who were sort of sitting on the fence about what to do with the Americans, they're now supporting us in earnest. Uh, Spain starts mucking around a bunch, causing all sorts of trouble for England. Well, and, and Europe's the, just loving this. And the French coming in, it's not even just that the French came in with their own troops to the Atlantic and were sort of doing battle with the British on the coast, which was a huge, like... That was a huge relief for the Americans, and it opened up trade again and, and, and sort of gave them more options for, for their economy and getting supplies and stuff. But not only that, but then the French and the British were going at it um, uh, on, in Europe. Yeah, on the other ships side of the are, ocean. I mean, you know, the French Navy is getting involved, mm -hmm. and... This is at a time where Britain was definitely very dominant, but not so dominant that it couldn't ignore. Well, you know, like, the 
opening of a tale of two cities like this is th what they're talking about is like Paris and London they're it's like a shit sandwich up in Europe now because now France is really going after England and um, and because they're they're loving it because they they really yeah they're historic enemies yeah so you know Britain's in a bad way if French if the French can just reach in there and smack him in the balls once while he's fighting they'll do it yeah so that so that's why Saratoga besides the fact that they overcame such a large amount of numbers over over the course of several months like if there were 15,000 British troops that all made it to Saratoga it probably would have been a different story but the fact that Shiler had his woodsmen laying down logs the fact that Carlton wouldn't send oh, troops yeah. to Ticonderoga to um, to back up uh, Burgoyne's march like all of these factors slowly whittled away at this army and it showed that hey the Americans you know have something going for them it's not just the fact that they can win this military battle but it's also the fact that they they know the terrain they know what they're doing there they like have people there that are smart and fierce so yeah I don't know it's a good battle yeah it, I mean tough. General Howe had to pack his bags get the fuck out of Philadelphia and hang out in New York to defend the port because they didn't know if the French were going to come in behind them yep yeah that was yeah that was the other thing it was like Congress Philadelphia for a few months at least was yeah for a while was just like loyalist party central you know it was like the Cancun of the loyalist <laughs> uh, bunch <laughs> so um, yeah so Congress got to move back into Philadelphia um, which we'll talk about that'll be really big in the next episode yep um, but I mean it really it makes the the American Revolution a lot more viable again. yeah because before that it was like it almost looking like a lost cause so General Gates is exchanging swords with uh, Johnny Burgoyne accepting his surrender just looking like such a badass and that's not the... a gay thing exchanging swords although it might have been <laughs> yeah we don't know they we didn't have know. cameras but yeah yeah it's a symbolic thing yeah it depends on the artist rendering you look for <laughs> if you look in Mike's notebook um it's very sexual <laughs> but uh, anyway, anyway yeah uh, you know, it, this is like Gates' shining moment. Everyone is just raining praise on him. He's dubbed the hero of Saratoga. Yeah, to be fair, he did give Ben some credit. Yeah, and he but that's was because ben, like, sort went of down. the boss. Yeah. Well, he had to give Ben credit. Ben, yeah, went down. Dude, you'd look like a dick if you were like, that guy just got shot because he's an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, him, that shot guy. <laughs> yeah. So what does Ben get? Well... Um, one of his legs will now be about two inches shorter than the other for the rest of his life. He's now on a several-day bumpy carriage ride <laughs> with a thoroughly pulped-out leg. Like, he is maybe having the darkest moment of his life right now. months ahead of him in a hospital, screaming in pain, not even able to sit up because his leg hurts that bad. And the moment when he does sit up, it, it hurts re so bad Ooh. it rebreaks that he has to lay uh. back down for another couple months like this and we'll get into it a little bit more in the next the yeah next we talk episode. about it in the next one but this is like this is like Ben's fucking super villain moment oh like yeah. he's worked his ass off 
for years to become a success in the American Continental Army. And the moment where it should be like it's a crowning achievement for once. He was fucking trying to quit. Yeah. And they gave him soldiers and sent him into what would turn into this situation. And, and for one like shiny moment, he was like routing the Hessians. Everything was looking awesome. He was on his fucking horse just kicking ass. And one stupid little volley sends him into this like this just spiral of pain and agony and gives him months and months of being in a bed of being bedridden in intense pain just thinking of all the ways that people like gates that people like the green mountain boys and uh what's his face that ethan allen ethan allen all the ways that congress has fucked him over constantly throughout this entire ordeal and it gives him that fucking super villain moment to just stew and decide, you know what? Fuck the Americans. I'm fucking done. So we'll get into that next episode. Man, that was yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's pretty intense. It's good. I just it's just such a neat narrative thing that it's like this was real. That really happened. Like that kind of super villain shit that you see all the time. Well, everyone's been turning on him. Congress has. We didn't even really mention that Washington had to discipline him. Yeah. Well, that's that's the next episode. Oh, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. No, dude. This guy has. This dude has further to fall, and it just like Mike called it. It's like the super villain side of him is emerging right now. This is his origin story as like the most hated man in America for like a hundred years afterwards. And uh, yeah. But, uh, yeah, we'll get it. So that's Saratoga. Yeah, that's Saratoga. We fucking did it. We're going to save this shit yes, and not are. delete this file. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. And yeah. I'm going to have this edited and up tomorrow. This is actually our quickest recorded to posted. Feels good, man. Yeah, it feels good. We are officially done with Ben Arnold. Well, yeah, but they don't know that yet. Because oh, yeah. we still have another episode where we also then say that we're officially done with Benedict Arnold. <laughs> That we recorded like a month ago. Well, you know, it's like timeline stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, weird timeline stuff. It's just like Lost. Yeah, it's a lot like Lost, what we do every day here in L.A. Because um, we're lost. And dumb. Spiritually. And... Alright, guys. Thanks for listening. History is definitely super cool. Right, Mike? Yeah, it's cool. It's super cool. Unlike my balls, which are fucking <laughs> yeah. swimming in a pool of sweat right now. Um, hit us up on Gmail, podcast at gmail.com. Do we have a Twitter? We don't have a Twitter. Do we have a Facebook? We have a Facebook, Historama Podcast, or Historama on Facebook. It's a group. If you, yeah, it's, it's a group. It's not a page. It's a Is group. that? Did I do that wrong? Probably. Fuck. You don't know how to do any of that I shit. I don't. Fuck. <laughs> I barely got these mics oh, set up. Oh, you're terrible at it. Yeah, fuck. No, the social... mic stuff's fine. It's just the social media thing. You have no Hey, if anybody wants social media and not getting paid, I'm on Twitter on. at GoGoGoroff. You can check me out. I'm on Instagram at GoGoGoroff. Um, don't, not sure why you'd want to see that because I only post every three months. Um, check out my cartoons. It's Loserville Animation Studios. It's on YouTube. Just Google that. About it's it super months. funny. Watch it. Um, yeah, thanks. Bye, hey guys. Sorry, right, bud. Love to see you. Yeah, bud. I like the.
Let me say hi to them.